Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, welcome in to the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much. I'm I'm excited for you to listen to this episode in particular because this one is more of uh, the more personal episodes of House of L because of who the guest is. And I will get to that momentarily. We are able to do this podcast because... We have incredible sponsors like Mazda of Orland Park. If you're looking for a unique buying opportunity, you're looking for a car and you want to be treated really well, you need to check them out. Mazda of Orland Park, ZoomZoomNation.com. Just go check out the website and they do a lot of fun stuff with their advertising and they're part of my wacky thing that I'm doing on Twitter with the White Sox and all that good stuff. So please, if you are in the market for a car, go to Mazda of Orland Park and talk with them about getting you the right fit. And I promise you that it will be an awesome experience. We are also brought to you by Team Hockberg, 56david.com. I joke about David Hockberg because he's hilarious. He is a big supporter of this podcast and has been for a while. 855-56david. And you're like, what does he do? I keep hearing his name. What does that guy do? Here's what he does. If you're looking to buy a house or if you're looking to refinance, I know some people right now are looking at that. This is the guy that helps you cut through the red tape. He gets stuff done. Like it was a a matter of a couple of days for him to get my refi done. It was a matter of a couple of days for him to get me the money to buy the house that I'm doing the podcast from as we speak. So go and talk with him. You can check out his website if you don't believe me, 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender, NMLS number 1124061. And if you do talk with David, tell him that you heard about him right here on the podcast. Okay. The reason why I really am excited for you to hear this episode is because Sarah Gordon is pretty amazing. What she's done in her life already at a very young age. And when you hear this, you're going to hear me talking about a subject as if they're like, like I'm their dad. Like that's kind of how I feel about my students. And Sarah used to be one of my students at DePaul. 
And she's one of the students that had one of the biggest impacts on me because of what she's gone through and what she was going through at, at the time when she was my student and how she persevered and how she is out here now in a real moment of personal discovery and growth while also being one of the best athletes I've ever seen and doing that on a national stage. She plays for the Chicago Red Stars. She does sideline reporting, which someone needs to give her a shot on a lot of different subjects because she's good on everything. She hosts parties. She models, too, on top of everything else. And she's a mom, which we're going to to talk a lot about in this episode. But beyond that, she's doing her best to help bring awareness to a lot of different causes. And she's working through it. And watching her growth in this regard has been really cool. She has created... Hood Space Chicago and Hood Space Chicago is a nonprofit that helps girls of color find a space of flow through yoga, meditation and sport. I highly recommend that you you check out Hood Space Shy on Instagram and they have a GoFundMe page and they've raised a lot of money already to help with some of these programs. And she's putting it together with. The idea being to bring awareness and actual people to to help out with mental health for women of color, girls of color. And she uses her own journey to to help tell that story to on why it's so important. There's a lot of ground that we have to cover inside this episode. I want to talk to her about her career because obviously like the sports part of it is, is fascinating. But the other thing about Sarah is that if you to look at Sarah, she's had to deal with this her whole life of people asking her, what are you? What are you? You're so exotic. And some people don't even realize that telling someone that they're exotic is a bit of an insult. But she's been on her own journey when it comes to identity. And it's explained when we talk about this inside the pod. But she's a a fighter, man. Like, she's a, a fighter, and I admire that about her very much. And she's been one of the people on the forefront of trying to bring along sports fans and her teammates and her league, the NWSL, when it comes to paying attention to what athletes of color and what women are saying about their lives and their journeys, I think that she has the potential to be a very powerful leader on a lot of different fronts. And nothing that she does from here on out will surprise me because of the level of reflection that she has put into her own life And what that is, I think, going to eventually lead to making real positive change in the life of others. 
So I'm very proud that she agreed to do this and we, we got together and we talked and, and it was, it was fun for me. So if I sound a little off, if, if, if I sound a little off my game, like as an interviewer, realize that as I'm talking to Sarah, I am standing, I'm sitting in my office, like beaming with pride on the woman that she is and the woman that she's going to become. Just know that like if anyone who's been my student knows that I get like a little emotional, I get a little weepy at the end of a quarter when students go on to do whatever. I'm glad that Sarah and I have continued a like mentor mentee relationship and it's been cool. And we actually got to share airtime over at Stadium, which has been dope. And she's able to pick my brain. And in some cases, I'm able to pick her brain. And I get to see the generational divide between like what I think activism is and what activism actually is. And it's good. Like it's a really good thing for me to be able to see how she's going about doing what she's doing. But yes, you will you will be able to hear me smile while talking to this incredible young lady that you need to keep your eye on. Sarah Gordon. I played a little bit of everything, softball, basketball, soccer, and like pretty competitively, honestly, like traveling. Um, but soccer, I was faster than everyone. And it, there was so much like space on the field that it like, actually set me apart and so like my coaches would be like wow she's really good I don't think I was actually good I think I was just like I was playing defense so I was just running people down so they thought I was good so you know I had all that praise so I was like oh I think I like this I I think I really like the praise but that's really what made me fall in love with soccer isn't it amazing what happens when people encourage you in something how maybe maybe you don't even love it initially but because you get some encouragement you're like all right, you know, if I can be a star at something, why not be a star? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that definitely pushed me towards playing. And then I feel like there was definitely a point in my career where that encouragement was gone. And so then you have to find things for yourself, which is an important turning point. But yeah, for sure, encouragement goes a long way. When did you know that it could be more than just fun? Like that it could be something that could get you to college and maybe go beyond that? So when I was like 15, I switched clubs to Eclipse and they were like known for being the club that gets you a college scholarship. And so I think that was really my parents doing. Um, They were making financial sacrifices to make it work. They were making huge time sacrifices to make it work. And so the idea that I could pay for this club and it would result in a college scholarship that, you know, they wouldn't have to pay for college. I wouldn't have to pay for college. They definitely pushed me in that direction. What are your parents like? (laughs) um (laughs) that's a loaded question (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to answer it if you don't want to it's a loaded question i can move on from that that's very easy well they're very different from me as you may know i'm adopted i do i Grew up in Elk Grove community. I always 
felt like I would. Um, so yeah, I mean, they supported me. They helped me play soccer. They helped me get to where I am in my career. I will say that. Did you feel like an outcast? I definitely felt like an outsider. Um, and yeah, for sure. And they, and my mom had like a big family and everyone was like very cookie cutter and similar. And I, you know, I always felt a little different and I, and I felt that I was pushed to fit in. Whereas, you know, like my differences weren't celebrated. They were more so like, you know, like just fit in, just fit in. How hard was that for you? I think, I don't want to say I'm a people pleaser, but hmm. I definitely just wanted to be. So you just try to try to fit that role. But I mean, as I got older, I, you know, learned a lot about myself and, and you know, the journey. Wait, you froze up a little bit. Can you, can you move to a different spot? Okay. I think wait, it, like, yeah, like you froze like right in the middle of that answer. Wait, let me get, let me get off the wall. My Wi-Fi is not great. Okay, that's cool. All right. Can you see me? I can't see you, but that's okay because the audio is the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so let me let me run that back then. Uh, so, you're you're in this place where you're not like everybody else. And you're not being celebrated. So how did how did you handle? I mean, at the I'm I'm wondering if this is kind of retrospectively, like you're looking back on it, you're like, oh, I wasn't celebrated. Did you know at the time that you weren't celebrated? No, no, definitely not. Looking back at it, you're 100 percent right. Looking back at it, I'm like, wow, I, I wish that you know my uniqueness was like you know celebrated and this is who she is but no i i didn't realize it at the time i didn't get it so when does this journey start to take place where you start to explore like who you are as a person and who you are culturally so obviously like i said i always knew there were some differences in like growing up um but i met my birth mom when i was in college like 2021 um she you know told me my background you know what I am and like I think a lot of things kind of click for me um and that's when I was kind of like understood myself more and could really explore those things and feel more comfortable with who I was college is a really interesting time and I I remember being an undergrad at DePaul and I remember coming from so so I don't even know if I've even told you like what my background is like so so I grew up in Roseland on the south side of the city okay okay then when we were 14 our family moved out to the south suburbs so I went to HF to to go to high school and it was a real crazy thing because I had spent my from year zero to year 14 the only white person that I actually knew was the nun at my school. Okay. <laughs> then we, then from age 14 to 17, there weren't a lot of black people that I was interacting with. And then when you get on campus at DePaul, you're interacting with everybody. Like it, it was, yep. 
it was very different. So I, I found like maybe the first two months of being at DePaul, like some of the most important time of my life because my worldview opened up. I was able to talk with more people and get more perspective. What was it like for you when, when you got on campus? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I grew up in a predominantly white community, but being an athlete, you know, soccer is a white sport, but running track and playing other sports, playing basketball. I mean, we talk about it all the time, sport you learn to accept people based on far more things than physical traits. So like, I don't even think when I first went to DePaul, I really realized like now looking back, I'm like, that's why I'm proud to have gone to DePaul because it's just like a mixing pot, a melting pot of, of so many different people, which is amazing. But when I first got there, I, I didn't even like, that didn't even click for me. I think like having my son is really what changed my perspective on everything and really made me like dive into who am I, you know, who do I want to be? What do people see me as like that whole self-awareness journey? How the hell did you have a son and then come back and play soccer? Like I, I remember, I remember you saying, I was like, how, like, how is that even possible? How were you able to pull that off? Um, honestly, I have no idea because like this, <laughs> this year in our league, there's a few women on different teams who have gotten pregnant. One of them, my teammates, they all just like had their kids around the same time. And they're like talking about coming back. And like, I'm reading articles about them and I'm like thinking about me. And I'm like, I literally like started, I came back on the field like a month and a half after having my son, like, what was that? Like, how did this happen? Like, how did this I mean, I was young, you know, I just turned 21 when I had Caden. So maybe my youthful days, it was possible, but I don't know how that all worked out. I, I mean, even like the logistical stuff of like being a student athlete and having a son, like I can't even imagine all the stuff that you went through to, to try and, and get yourself to stay academically eligible, to be able to play. Like your time has to be consumed with this little person who needs you. Yeah, I think that, okay, so one of the things that really pushed me was like a lot of people, and I won't speak on who, but a lot of people in my life told me like, oh, you're never going to be back. You know, you can't do it. Wow, like this is such a disappointment, you know, when I got pregnant. And so that for me was like, oh, bet, like watch me do this. You know, that that motivated me. But also like being in college, um, there's just like clear set goals that I wanted to achieve. You know, I wanted to play soccer. I wanted to graduate. I wanted to do this. So it's like, it was easy to be focused in that way, you know, like have a focused schedule and, and do things when they needed to be done. Whereas like after you graduate, it's more so like you have the, the world is like an open book. But like at that time, I was just focused at what I wanted to do. Yeah. And the structure of school, I think maybe helps a little bit, but yeah, I'm still, no, it does. It does. I think that you're a superhero. Like I, I marvel at, at you being able to, to, to do all of that stuff and, and to be able to handle it with, I think, a, a really a, a tremendous amount of grace, too, I, I thought was really, really impressive. Like your your entire like journey that you've been on at, as you've gone to join the women's national team to play for the Red Stars. What do you think has been the most important thing that you've learned throughout the professional soccer journey? Um, I think that staying grounded has been the most important thing. And that's like, not in a way, like it's in a different way than most people would think when they hear it, but like 
staying grounded as, and that's like part of the reason I just started the nonprofit is being able to, you know, have a clear head because it's so easy, especially for me to get caught up in worries, anxieties, you know, like thinking at the beginning of my career, the worries were as simple as like, how am I going to pay for my apartment and take care of my son? Worries later in my career and like just all these anxieties. So staying grounded and keeping my mind clear is, is my, you know, biggest learning point throughout the years. When did you start kind of using yoga and meditation and affirmation to, to, to help with those things? Um, it was like around my rookie year or maybe my second year even of being a pro, just because like we said before, like having years of encouragement and being the best and like people pushing you forward and then hitting this point in your career where there's nobody holding your hand and writing you love letters every day after practice, like you got to do it yourself. And so, um, being surrounded by soccer players who were better than me at that time and not making a lot of money and not knowing, you know, like can I do this? Like, I feel horrible about myself. And then in those times, finding yoga and meditation, finding affirmations, you know. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, journaling, that really, like, brought me back to myself. That's dope. Like, that's a, I think it's a really important lesson to learn. And I think that it's awesome that you're marrying the mental health aspect with the social justice aspect. What happened that you said, okay, I need to put these two things together so that I can create a space, no pun intended, for other people of color to to work through some of these issues that you were having? Yeah, I think that like sport has always been known as an outlet in so many ways. I mean, just thinking about it's an outlet that a lot of people from the hood look at as a way out but it's also an outlet to get away from the world but sport doesn't last forever for everyone and sport can also create other anxieties as it did for me and so um that's just why I thought the relationship between sport yoga meditation is so beneficial because no matter where you at no matter where you're at um in your sports career yoga meditation will benefit you on the field it will benefit you in your relationships it'll benefit you in processing emotions and trauma and and all the other difficulties that come with systemic racism. So I just thought the two or three things fit together pretty seamlessly. I thought that, that your actions on the field are, were courageous and brave. And I told you so. Like, I'm not, I'm not speaking out of school here on the podcast. Like, I reached out and, and told you so. Were you worried when you decided that you were going to be a face and a voice for change in, in the NWSL? Yes, I was worried and probably for different reasons than you thought <laughs> um, that you would think I'd be worried. I was more so worried just because I feel as a mixed person and because colorism exists and because I do have privilege with being light skin, I was more so worried because I didn't want anyone to think like, I'm taking this on 
I'm the face. I want to, you know, like I still have, I still need to uplift the voices of women that play next to me that have faced way more challenges than me. And I think that I do have the privilege of being mixed, of being light skinned, which gives me even more, you know, of a responsibility to yeah. take, exactly to take this up. Exactly. Yeah, I, I I was trying to explain this on the air to some people about the the idea of me being light skinned and the the access that that affords me. That and and it's hard for people to understand, but believe it or not, even though we are we are more a threat than other people, we are considered less of a threat than our dark skinned brothers and sisters. And people need to understand that, which is great because it allows us to maybe connect some people to get them to try and understand that. But you're dealing with like your identity overall, like trying to get the stair steps to even get to that point. What, what was, what was that like to, to go from, okay, I'm adopted. Okay. I'm in this, in, in this white family, I'm out in the suburbs. I, I meet my mom. She tells me what I am. I I'm, I'm light skinned and I'm I'm considered a black woman. I'm in this sport. Like, how did all of this stuff? How did you work through it? It's still something I'm dealing with, especially because it's like, like I've met my family and they do look like a melting pot. So it's like I still deal with like, do I have the right to be speaking on these things? And I I have to talk myself through all the time. Like, it's it's honestly a struggle. Um, I, you know, I know that obviously this is a more confusing process of identity (laughs) than most people have to go through. And I probably could have lived my whole life never knowing and just pretending like I'm Italian, like my parents told me, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm still dealing with it. I'm still processing it. I'm still talking myself through it every day so beyond playing sports you also model so did you see did you see some of the same things that you saw in your regular life like in your modeling life where people are looking at you going what is she who is she (laughs) (laughs) yo yo i and, and that's like that's the funny thing is like talking about colorism is especially as a woman being mixed in light skin Ooh, what is she? She's so exotic. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know where we're at in the world where it's like, it's so like white people look at being mixed and light skin, like, Ooh, like, it's like, like, I don't even know, but yes, in modeling, it's the same thing, but you do see in modeling that they always have a token person to see, to, you know, like fit each bracket. And so like each shoot, you'll be like, Oh, there's the dark skin man here's the mixed girl there's the white girl in the front and center you know so like it's like that it definitely is have you had fun doing the modeling because it seems like it and I mean maybe that's just because you're a good model but it seems like (laughs) you're you're picking brands and you're working with brands that fit who you are from a personality standpoint yeah I honestly I love modeling um and I started it because I was like wow soccer is not paying for me to live a comfortable life and take and be a single mom and take care of my son. And the only way I could actually like afford to have my own place and pay, you know, like be financially independent was to have modeling next to my soccer salary. So that's really why I started it, but I do love it. I do enjoy it. 
Do you still want to broadcast? Yes, absolutely. Um, especially as you know, I get older and my soccer career is going to end eventually. I, I definitely want to broadcast. Yeah. I mean, I've been like, like last year I did some broadcasting for the world cup with stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I was like, I hosted a bunch of events in the past year, which I also I thought that was really fun. So like anything in that realm, I really enjoy doing. I think you're good. Thank you. I think, I think you, I think you got, you got the, the chops to, to go ahead. And I felt this way for a long time. Like even I felt like you, you've got something. If you want to continue on this road, I truly believe that you could succeed at it, but there's also what's great is there's so many things that you can do. And I, I feel like in just reading some of your posts and a couple of stories about it, that what you're trying to accomplish with hood space it feels like it might be your calling and that's, that's different from what you're good at. Like I'll give you, I'll give you my example. Okay. I love doing radio. I love being a broadcaster. I think teaching might be my calling because there's nothing that there's nothing better than when the light would go on for a student and they go, Oh, that's what that old dude was talking about in class. Like when, when that happens, there's a, such a, a warm feeling that takes over you that you're able to get through. So I keep wondering if this might be your calling to, to be this beacon and help people go through some of the stuff that you were going through. Yeah. I mean, and the whole idea of finding your calling has definitely been something I've been exploring lately because, you know, like that's, they say that when you find what you're called to do, it's just like a satisfying feeling that you can't really explain, you know? So, um, but it's good to know that you're doing your calling and you're, you know, what you love and are good at. So maybe you could do both. Yes, you can, (laughs) you can totally do both. So what do you what are you hoping happens over the next couple years as you build your, your nonprofit? You know, I am kind of the person that lives my life with small goals, but like, I'm just very open um, because I have so many ideas for this nonprofit and I'm like, okay, I can't do everything at once. (laughs) I need to bring it down. And so I think for the first like little initiative that I want to have is, Um, finding girls in the city, obviously preferably black girls, but we are accepting brown girls too, um, that are interested, maybe don't know what they want to do or interested in yoga or sport that we can sponsor to get their um, yoga certification, certification. And then we could hire them and pay them to do some initiatives. So like just trying to find ways where we can like help, you know, in more than just bringing yoga, meditation, sport, but also like finding some girls in the city that we can sponsor and help them start, you know, their career path. So I think that's going to be like the first little initiative we have, but like going forward, I want to have camps or clinics every summer. Like that's the big thing I want to do post COVID um, and intertwining all of these things I want to do. And then working with some of the other um, strong black women, I know that work for awesome brands like Jordan brand, um, vital proteins, bringing those all in to the camp. So that's like the goal that I want to do in the future. But beyond that, I haven't really thought of where it will, where, where Hoodface will go. Why do you think black Americans, we have to be very specific about this. Like my best friend, her family's from Ghana. They're soccer crazy. Why do you think black <laughs> Americans are not into soccer the way that they're into other sports? I feel like, so I previously have had this conversation 
a decent amount of times. And now I've kind of just gone away from talking about it. But I would say, um, you know, soccer has become a suburban upper middle class sport. Um, the, like I said, how my parents had to make all these sacrifices with time, with money, you know, it's crazy what, what you have to sacrifice as, as um, uh, the parent of a soccer player. And I don't think the resources are in the right place in the black community to play soccer. And, and besides that, there's just like, you know, because of how that has developed, there's just a huge gap between the sport and the black community. And so um, originally, a few months ago, that's something I wanted to explore and help with and bring soccer and sport, you know, to these communities. But now I just think that there's more important things that need to be done. Yeah. I, and it's, it's like the, the pandemic kind of, it put a stop to a lot of different things. And, and I think that eventually you'll be able to do both. Like you'll be able yeah. to, to, to share the game throughout the community and, and speak up. Well, what, what's been the support of, the people around your league when it comes to some of these issues? So that's a loaded question. Um, I think that, you know, when George Floyd was murdered, um, we had a lot of discussions within our team about systemic racism and everything going on um, and kind of how the, what the expectation was. And the expectation was for players such as me, Casey Short, we don't have a lot of black representation to hold players and staff accountable. And um, I think over the month, I'm not just gonna say our team, but a lot of white people in general, not all white people, but a lot kind of are just like, when's 2020 gonna end, you know? Because it's like, when is this gonna end? The discomfort is a lot, you know, they don't wanna, not all of them wanna look at it anymore. And so I think the same can be said you know, the NWSL is predominantly white league. And so um, there needs to be more done by white players and staff. And I, I'll pretty much just leave it at that. Okay. That's, that's completely fair. It really is. Um, I, I have no right to say this, but I'm going to say this. I'm super <laughs> proud of you. Like super you. proud of you. Like you are, you are really stepping up and filling a void that I think is out there. And the fact that you're finding yourself while you're trying to help others, I think is uh, incredibly selfless. And I think it's a good thing that you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate that. So the fundraiser is up. You should go and donate. It's hood space. It's uh, pretty. It's like graffiti script with a butterfly and it's pink. Hood space shy. That's the startup. Their goal is to raise ten thousand dollars. They're about halfway there on it, and please, please go support it. I'm, I'm donating. You should too, because I really think that this young lady has an opportunity to make some, some absolute change. God, how old do I sound? How old do I sound like this young lady? Oh my God, I sound so old. But it's the truth. It's the truth. I see these students like rising up and. And doing stuff and and being very active. And I, I see the growth in Sarah from the moment that she walked into the classroom to where she is now. It's it's amazing. It, it really is amazing. It's one of the great things about teaching. And I think that she speaks for a lot of people that have a mixed 
heritage background where you're trying to figure out like where do I fit in who am I how does the world see me how do I see myself like all of those things so to see her navigate this with a lot of uh, poise and grace is is really really cool so on Instagram hood space just look for it hood space shy and there's a link to the GoFundMe page but if you're a a GoFundMe person, go to GoFundMe and look for Hood Space Shy and donate. All right? Cool. The podcast has been a lot of fun lately. I know that we're throwing a ton of content at you. I've, I've been thinking about that, but I will tell you I'm super happy because I made a couple of changes like from a business standpoint. Like We don't need to get too deep into it, but... House of L has had the best two months in the history of House of L. I'm looking at the numbers as I'm talking to you, and September's not even over yet. And we've had an incredible month. In August, we we did a high for us, which was 27,000 downloads, which for me is a big deal. Remember, I'm a media, a small media company that's only one person. There's me. I do pay people to do stuff. In September, we took a major leap. And the month is now not done yet. And I hope that, you know, obviously you listened and you made it all the way through to this part of this episode with Sarah. We're going to do probably 65,000 downloads in September. And that's crazy. And I know that putting the bear stuff back on there makes a difference, but whether it's the content with Connor and Joe that they're doing with the baseball podcast or Callie's crazy ass video game reviews, people are, are digging it. And honestly, like it's starting to get some attention from some places that I wasn't expecting to get some attention. So I thank you so much for the growth. Please, please, please subscribe. Give it five stars. Write a review. That stuff helps with placement on Apple and Spotify. And and thank, shout out to all my Spotify peeps. Like, for real, for real. I really appreciate the, the folks that listen on Spotify. It's a, a growing market for House of L. Like most of the people who listen, listen on Apple. But shout out to everyone on Spotify for checking out the podcast and telling people about it and all that good stuff. And thanks to... Our sponsors, Mazda of Orland Park, ZoomZoomNation.com. Go get yourself a car. We need their help to be able to do this. Like, I could do the podcast for free and did it for free for basically two years. But I want to explore different content. And I need advertisers to explore different content, like to pay people. Like, I've made my initial investment in House of L, but to keep going forward and, and paying people, we we lean on sponsors. So we need you, if it, if it fits, to go and support the people who support the podcast, like Mazda of Orland Park and like David Hochberg. If you're thinking about buying a home, if you're thinking about refinancing your home, call him, 855-56-DAVE, and be like, hey, Lauren said that you did right by him so maybe you could do right by me as I try to figure out what I'm doing with my home. He can help you. I, I, I mean this sincerely. 
56david.com if you would like to check out what his what he's all about. And Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. So yeah, man. Things are going in a direction and they've settled. Like I wasn't sure about I mean, obviously I was going to keep doing House of L, but I keep throwing content at the wall and you're still down with it, which is cool, which means I get to step out a little bit further. I I get to do a little bit more with content and we'll have some cool episodes coming up that you'll hear some different voices on the podcast in expertise that maybe you didn't know they had. I'm super excited about that. Super excited. I appreciate your support. I truly do. Like this is, I got asked in in an interview about podcasting and whether I'm burned out on it because there are a lot of like hoops that you jump through and I'm helping someone else launch a podcast and I'm like, this seems so intuitive to me, but it's not intuitive to most people. But the fact that you you vibe with this thing, that, that you support it is uh, really key and major key um i dig it thanks so much we'll have another episode probably tomorrow or maybe later on today depending on when i drop it but thanks for your support go support hood space shy that's sarah gordon's gofundme she's dope and i'm proud to know her talk to you next time For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.